0: Hey, guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast.
1: Today's passage is from Ecclesiastes 4, verses 4 through 8. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. And now, let's hear from Jenny.
0: Some of our good friends, when they were trying to decide if they were going to get married or not, the guy sat down with Zach and they had been dating probably for about six years and they were perfect for each other. I mean, it was obvious to everybody and we couldn't figure out why it was that he wasn't pulling the trigger and asking the question. And Zach asked him, "What? what is holding you back? What's keeping you from this? And he said, I'm just so afraid that there's something better out there. And... I feel that and I get that when I like go down the cereal aisle. Like I hate this, honestly, I know this is weird, but I hate the cereal aisle. I feel so overwhelmed by it because I really love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's my very favorite cereal, but now they've made something called churros, which is like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but even more cool. And then they also have like a vanilla crunch that is unbelievable. And that's just in that little section. Like, I can't tell you how much I love Frosted Mini Wheats. And I mean, I just, I can't decide. And so I usually buy like five. And I don't even eat gluten that much anymore. But <laughs> I love, 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 love cereal. But I absolutely hate having to make that many choices in five minutes on the aisle. And I think that's what we are in in the world today. There are so many choices. There's always a new city we could live in. There's always new friends we could have. Maybe they'd be better. Just over the horizon, there's something better. Marketing loves this about us. They play into it. Every commercial, every ad, they're telling us, you need this, you need this, it's gonna get better. There is just a formula in our culture for discontentment. But that's not new, guys. That has been going on since Adam and Eve before there was marketing. Like, this is what the devil did. He played into Eve's wondering, is there something I'm missing out on? Am I missing out on something better? And so the devil comes to Eve and says, hey, you know, God's holding out on you. There's something better and you don't get it. And that is what drove her to eat the apple. It was a desire or wondering, really, is there something better? And so it's in our DNA. It's written in before she ever fell. It's written in before the curse. Like we have this wondering, is there something better? And it's because there is. Like, let me just clear the table and tell you, like there is something better. We were made for something more physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, there is something better and it's coming and it's promised and it's spelled out in this book that God gave us about himself and and the world. It's spelled out. And it's clear, like in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world and there is a world coming that I have built for you. In fact, I've gone before you and I'm preparing a place for you. I've not forgotten you. You will not be left as orphans. That's all scripture. He's coming back for us and he's taking us to that place. And it is real and it's coming And we ache for it, whether you think about it on a daily basis or not. We are built for heaven and we ache for it. And everything on earth feels incomplete and insufficient and like a letdown because it is. Even on our best days, it's a far, far cry from what heaven will be and only meant to be like a foretaste. On the best days, like I I think about when (laughs) I think about when my third, every day I had a kid three times born and one time adopted, every day that I became a mother again was a good day. But my third kid, I didn't know what we were having. And I thought that was a good idea because I didn't care. But then like after we missed the window of finding out, I started caring. I wanted a girl so bad. And all the nurses and everybody kept calling it a boy like he, he. And I was like, they're giving away. We're having a boy. I don't want a boy. And so I was so miserable during labor. I mean, miserable. And there was this underlying belief that, of course, I was going to have a boy because God gives us what we don't want. At that point in my life, we had been through a lot of disappointment. We had been through a financial season of not barely making it. And we had been through difficulty in our marriage, a really difficult season in our marriage. we had been through disappointment in ministry and really almost every category of our lives in some way was disappointing me. And I started to believe that God just doesn't bring good gifts. And that day that I was in labor and we had the child, the doctor said, it's a girl. And Zach looked at me and said, it's a girl. And he was crying. And I said, no, it's not. I don't believe you. And it was literally, I got like, they would lie to me. (laughs) That's what he said. He was like, do you think I'd lie to you right now? (laughs) It's a girl. And he had to show me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was such a moment, I believe, of heaven where I just... And there's a picture of me holding her and weeping because I was just so delighted and surprised that like God gave me what I wanted. And and I know that so many of you are hearing that story and like, I just would give anything for God to give me what I want right now. Like, just give me what I want. And I can say that what I've learned about God is there are days he will give us what we want and there are yet days he will withhold it and it will feel cruel. But in all things, they work together for good. And I hate who I would be if every day of my life I have gotten what I want. I I would hate it. I would have no character. I would have no compassion. I would not be crying right now. I would have no empathy for anyone if every day of my life I got what I wanted. I mean, think about that in a kid, you know? It's, It's not a good thing to get what we want all the time. And yet there's a day coming that we will get what we want. But our character will be made full. Our satisfaction will be completely found in God because He is that good. Until then, he's so kind to cause us to remember he's better. We sing this song at my old church when I lived in Austin. It was Austin Stone, and some of you have heard it. It's called Jesus is Better. Oh, my gosh. My sweet husband is bringing me tissue right now, guys. It's like he saw through the window that I'm crying. (laughs) Okay. He brought me like eight pounds of tissue. (laughs) Anyway, in Austin Stone, we... We sing this song, and Aaron Ivey, our friend, wrote it, and it says Jesus is better. And when he sings it, I cry every time because there's always something that I need to believe Jesus is better than. Every single day, I need to believe whether it's a blessing that I've been given, I don't want to fall in love with it so much that I don't need God, or it's a loss that I'm facing. You know, either way, it's like he's better. He's good even if everything goes to hell, and he's good even if everything is right on that day. Gosh, how do we learn that apart from loss? And so I wanted to read to you this passage. Well, it's a really depressing passage, actually. It's in Ecclesiastes, and it says, everything is meaningless under the sun, and he names everything under the sun. And the whole book basically says it's all vanity and chasing the wind. Well, this is really depressing. It's really sad, but it's not. In fact, it's the most freeing thing you can ever come to terms with. The saddest thing I've ever seen is somebody that has everything. And I've seen it, guys. I have met those people. They have absolutely everything you can have under the sun. And there is an emptiness in their eyes that's deeper than that beside a child's bed with cancer. Y'all, having everything you want under the sun and realizing it's meaningless and not having God, that is despair. And so it's almost like it just... Believe the person. Believe, I mean, believe, it's like there's, there's the only hope in reading like People Magazine and all that is to see the despair, like to see what happens when you get everything that earth says matters and it's not enough. Eternity was written in our hearts. Eternity is written in our hearts and we will be dissatisfied every day on earth. But a time is coming and those of us that know Jesus and are found in him, we know it's true. And so, I don't think discontentment is always bad, but I do think the enemy uses it and twists it and causes it to be something that's crippling and honestly that that causes us to chase things on earth that are never actually going to satisfy us. That's that's the problem. Let's just start with like the basic 101 of discontentment. What is the problem? The problem is that we were built for something that we can never fully be satisfied for on earth. And so what happens if we don't realize this and And, you know, I went to seminary, so like the knowledge is in my brain. But even with the knowledge in my brain, if I don't deal with the war of it, the fight for it every day, what happens is I live disappointed all the time. And you see this in kids, right? Like (laughs) I see this in my son constantly. Like he sets his heart, literally his whole being on a goal, which usually is an item Involving Target, and he sets his whole being on it. And when it doesn't happen, you know, there's just despair. You know, it's just despairing at that age. Now we grow up and we realize, okay, this isn't going to work. You're like we can't live this way. But I think in some ways we don't. Like we may not throw the temper tantrum about it, but we do constantly feel a sense of loss or disappointment, even in small things. In fact, I would say, especially in small things, because the big things we Do run to God. We do run to hope. We do run to community. And the small things, it seems to be this just general apathetic, complacent, barely noticing discontentment that sits around. And so I wanna talk about what our hope is in this because it doesn't have to be this way. And to do that, I'm actually gonna have to jump ahead to next season a little bit because next season, what we're gonna talk about is our thought lives. And I've just spent two years writing a book about this. And so I can't ignore it when we're talking about emotions because there's, I want you to picture a train. And at the base of the train is our relationships, our actions, but at the front of the train isn't our emotions, it's actually our thought lives. Like our thoughts control our emotions. So I cannot do this whole season without talking about what I've just learned, which is that in our minds, it's the place of control. We actually, throughout scripture, it's clear that we are given authority and power over our minds. It never really says a lot about controlling our feelings. Our feelings oftentimes are just a result of our thoughts. When we talk about discontentment, we have to go to the place that all of this starts, the engine of that, and that is our minds and what we set our minds on. And scripture is clear. Paul specifically talks a lot about this in Philippians. He says, set your minds on things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are beautiful. Like he he lays out this gorgeous summary of what we are to think about. And the reason we are to think about these things is because those Thoughts bring life and peace. As Romans says too, set your minds on the spirit and you're gonna find life and peace. Set your minds on the flesh, you're gonna find sin and death. So I think we've gotta start with the thing we can control, which is our thoughts. And so, you know, let's make this practical. Every morning when you wake up, the reason you go to the Bible first is to remember that no matter how life disappoints me today, no matter what I face, small or big, He is better. He is enough. Heaven is coming, and I can be okay here, no matter what I face. I create and build a lot of things, but there is nothing I build that I feel more passionate about and that I believe in more than my Bible studies. And The reason why is because it puts women together around Scripture. And guys, that's when lives change, is in small rooms around the Word of God. So. Grab your people, and all of this season is based on a Bible study I wrote years ago that is still so relevant and I believe can help set you free, not because of my words, but because it is based on God's word. It is called Stuck, and you can go to stuckbiblestudy.com, and with the kit, you'll get videos, you'll get conversation cards, you'll get a leader's guide, everything you need to bring a few friends together around this topic and the word of God. So the podcast is one thing. I hope you and a lot of friends will listen, but I hope that it will only lead you to want more. And that more is getting around the word of God together and seeing what God does and how he shifts us when we are brave enough to be honest and to bring those thoughts and those feelings to scripture.
1: So I wouldn't necessarily call myself a discontented person, but I will have behaviors pop up. Like I'll just get really grumpy after I sit on Instagram, not really know why. What are some signs or like behaviors that we should look for to see if we're discontent?
0: I kind of think this is one we all sit with all the time. Like I don't, I, I think we might say different words for it. Like we're not happy or we are cranky. You know, my husband will be like, well, Jenny, you you know, he'll, he'll just kind of notice I'm cranky, like in a mood, but it's discontent. I mean, if I go back to my mind and what I've done that day and gosh, I'm glad you brought up Instagram because that really is the like greatest, more than marketing even, that is the greatest source of it for all of us, right? Like we can, we can scroll at any moment and see what everybody else, no, not just what everybody else has the best filtered version of what everybody else has. So, you know, I remember one time I posted on Instagram, just FYI, everyone's jacked up. And most people can't share all that on Instagram. I'm not saying everyone should share their worst on Instagram. That would get weird. But I think we've got to enter Instagram and the world recognizing that everybody is displaying their best. And we've got to know that because then it it gives us compassion and it helps us realize like this is more complicated and nuanced than it looks like you know, it's the reality of like when you've tried a product and it doesn't work, you know, and you get it and you're like, well, that you, you the marketing didn't work as well. Next time, you know, Sonic always gets me with whatever they <laughs> my husband laughs so hard. He's like, okay. What was it? And I'll be like, I really feel like this really random, like cheese tots at Sonic. He's like, did they do a commercial for you, baby? And I'm like, yes, they did. I totally saw that. going <laughs> will drive me to Sonic. But then, you know, it's not as ever as good as I think it's going to be. and And then, you know, better next time. Although cheese tots are cheese tots. It's Sonic R. They don't disappoint, y'all. Go get them. They don't disappoint. But I do think most things do. And, And so how do you notice that you're discontent? I would say very few people aren't. I think most of us are living with a general sense of discontentment. It's what do we do with that? And where does that take us? I mean, when we talk about all these emotions, what they're supposed to do in their best form is bring us to God, right? Like in the best thing. When I get angry, what do I do? I stop and pray. What do I tell my son to do? I tell him to stop, breathe, and pray and ask God for help. And I think that that constant walking with God is what God's after in us. You know, why was David a man after God's own heart? I think it's because he was so dadgum emotional. Like he he just cried and was angry and wanted to kill people. And then he repented and he got on his knees and he wrote songs and he... You know, it's just, there was so much of David, you know, there was just so much of him and all of that drove David constantly to God and he just kept going back and I think that's what he's after. It's like whatever the emotion is, if it's discontentment, anger, whatever, that we would just keep coming back to God. I'll tell you when I'm content and I don't believe it every day or I be with God all the time. But contentment is me alone with God, usually with worship music, and a little teary. And I say that because I've genuinely never felt so content anywhere else. But I forget, and I think the devil's good, and I go other places. But when I am just with God, by myself, with the Word, with worship, with Him, I remember like, oh, this is it. This is where life is. And the reason life is there is because... Nothing else is enough. Nothing else. It's the only thing. I know this, I know everybody's like, just get practical, get self-helpy. I'm like, there's no self-help for discontentment. There is none. It is Jesus. There's not another thing that is going to actually ever satisfy your soul. It will for a minute, or we wouldn't go to things, right? I mean, a relationship with my husband, our marriage is fantastic right now because of a lot of work, which is another podcast, <laughs> but it is so good right now. But he still doesn't satisfy me completely. Like he, you know, he's busy. He's got his work. He's off to the next thing. He snaps at me. He lets me down somehow. And ultimately, I know this is dramatic, but he could die. Like nothing, no person, no thing, no feeling, nothing is enough on earth because we were built for heaven and we were built for God. And so until we really admit that, own it, sit in it, experience it, we're gonna keep feeling this way, my friend Julie Manning, who has a heart condition. She is just the most joyful person I've ever met, and you know she just had heart surgery this week again. Multiple she has multiple heart surgeries, and um, and she'll you know likely. I mean, the doctors say she'll die young, and and yet I've never met somebody more content. And the reason why is because nobody wa- walks with Jesus like Julie Manning. I mean, there's never a day, even on Sunday morning that she doesn't send me a text with what she's reading in the scripture and what she's learning about God. She is with Jesus early in the morning, every single day. And I know this because she sends me evidence of that every single day. And she is the most content person I know. Her house, like she's had multiple houses. They've all flooded. It's like she has a flood demon (laughs) that follows her around. But she will literally have to move out of her house with all her things for different reasons, not even the same type of flood. It's like her potty bust. I mean, it's all different, but she'll have to move out of her house because all her things are ruined and she will still be like bouncy. And she's like, Hey, it's okay. Like I'm alive. My kids are healthy. We're good. Like when you know that God is enough, when you know that heaven is coming, you can face anything. It's just true. It's not like I, I, and I wish I could be like, if you do these three things, but if you meet with Jesus, if you spend time with him the way that Julie does. Your hope is not here. Your hope is in heaven. And that is what changes everything. And I don't have another answer. There's not another answer. It's how we find contentment is the only way. And if you've never tasted that, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not even a Christian. I just thought you were gonna tell me about how to make my life work. Great, welcome. He's it, like Jesus is it. And I know we've misled you as Christians and we've been some of the most unhappy people you've ever met. But I'm telling you, when we're with him, And when we're finding our significance in Him and when we're meeting with Him and when we're connected to Him, we are the people full of the most hope. And you could be that too, I promise. Like He is worth it and He is that good. So the question I want you to process today, get in your journal, share with a friend is what are you chasing? What are you spending your time on? What do you think is going to make you happy that isn't? God, we know you are best and you are better. We know it when we open our word. We know it when we see a baby born. We know it at a funeral, God. We know that, that this life is not all there is and that anything good about it is from you. Help us not put our hope in the good things you've given and help us not put our hope in fixing all the problems, God, because in this world we will have trouble, but our hope is that you have overcome the world and you are coming back for us and help us believe that on a daily basis and when we feel the ache and when we feel like something's missing help us remember that it is but that you're not far and we have full access to you now and help us to go to you with a thing that hurts inside of us instead of everything else in the world amen Hey okay, guys if gathering is almost here you want to get your tickets, you can join everywhere. There's an If Local. And if there's not an If Local in your town, guess what? You need to host it. So go to ifgathering.com and sign up today and bring all your friends. You do not want to miss it across the whole earth. There are going to be a bunch of women worshiping God together and talking about how we spend our lives well. So come be a part February 7th and 8th. Sign up ifgathering.com.